powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards on the show where a day without better than before is like a movie theater without a concession stand. We've got some special things for you today on the program, including my guest Hillary Bilbrey, a tremendous story of tragedy and triumph. And I'm also going to have the sixth side of self, self-confidence, all coming up today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 27 miles per gallon. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted and best overall brand for 2020. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and today I'm excited to welcome Hillary Bilbrey, who's applying over 20 years as an educator, 19 years as a parent, and 15 years as a facilitator and coach into helping her clients anchor to their identity as well as articulate and align their brand promise through the language of core values. Once confident in who they are, she guides clients to combine strategy, research, and common sense into living more inspired lives. Her goal is to always lead people better than she finds them and to teach others to do the same. Over the years, she has lived in five different countries and six different states, which has given her a unique perspective on life and transitions. She's also been married to her college sweetheart for almost 25 years and is the proud mother to three fantastical teenagers. As the mother of a burn survivor, she has written four children's books on safety and wellness, and she's hosted radio and podcasts going back over a decade and is currently the co-host of Decided Heart Conversations. She holds a graduate degree in education from the University of Cambridge, UK, and is a certified facilitator in the Virtues Project and the Habitudes. I want you to welcome my special guest today, Hilary Bilbrey. Welcome to Better Than Before. 
Well, thank you so much for having me, Tony. I can't think of a place I'd rather be than right here listening to your warm and inviting voice. Oh, thank you. Well, we are kindred spirits of broadcasting days gone by. So um, you uh, spent some time in radio, it looks like, and I spent well over 20 years doing that. So um, we found a lot of commonality when we were visiting before, and I'm so glad that you're here. I want to talk to you first of all, and it's probably a a terrible place to begin, but your child had a very terrible burn accident. And so that sort of led you on this uh, track of overcoming obstacles and putting you in a position to help other people overcome obstacles. Would you mind if we started there and you could just tell us a little bit about all that happened and kind of how that affected your life? Not at all. Thanks for asking, Tony. It is, you know, there was a time where that was such a difficult thing to talk about. And the more that I have gone on and told the story, the more that I have healed and seen healing happen in others and realized that whatever happens in your life, you have the ability to pick up the pen and and write the way that the story truly ends or the the story truly goes. So I say that he's a burn survivor, not a burn victim because he's a survivor in every sense of the word and such a remarkable kid. And there's a story and there's a gift in every single thing that happens to us. And it's just whether or not, sometimes we'd like to give the gift back, but but it's how we live it out, I guess, that really matters. So uh, about, well, it was April 6th of 2003. We had just come out of the NICU with my middle son, who great kid. Jake was born a little early after a bit of a scare where I shouldn't say a bit of a scare. My husband and I had actually planned out my funeral because there were all kinds of things and complications that were supposedly going to go wrong. And it turned out the only thing that had gone wrong was he was born a little early and had to be transferred to a NICU hospital and a hospital that had a NICU So as you can imagine, we were exhausted. We had an 18 month old and a baby that wasn't supposed to be born yet when we came home. And we were in a house that we had built uh, ourselves and had contractors come in. And my friend came and said, hey, Hillary, let's go for a walk. You've been, this just 20 minutes. You've been in hospitals for the last two weeks. Let's just, let's go. So I was gone for about 20 minutes. And in that amount of time, I returned home to an empty house. Um, my husband had been changing my my old, my old baby, um, Jake, and my oldest, the 18-month-old Brock, had gone into our bathroom. And, and I'll just back up and explain. We had safety gates up and he was climbing over them. And so we took them down in order to make sure he didn't get hurt. And we had a safety gauge on his tub. And we, so we were trying to do, we'd read the books, we'd done the things. The one thing we hadn't done was checked our water heater because we didn't, we didn't know we had to, we should have, and we know now. And our water heater had been installed um, at a 139, 140 degrees, which when you have a child, it should really be, or elderly, it should really be 110. Mm. And Breck was curious, got into our whirlpool tub and our master, turned the hot water on only in about 10 seconds is what they predict. He had burned the skin from his legs uh, all the way up to, to his bottom. And my husband rushed him to the emergency room and we had to go through 
we were supposed due to be hel helicoptered. This was in Wisconsin to the burn unit down in Madison, and the helicopter got diverted because a cow sat on a woman, which only could happen in Wisconsin, I think. And cow then, country, right? Could exactly. Could only happen in cow country. <laughs> That's cow country. Mm -hmm. And then from there, uh, he was transferred down to the Madison burn unit, and we're there for about a month, and it was hard. There were investigations there were and obviously it was a, just a horrendous horrible accident and coming out of it it was such a struggle to get our footing back again because as you can imagine we'd built the home of our dreams we were married we had two young boys we had survived the, what we thought was the hardest and now here we were this picture that we thought what life was going to be what our family was going to be was shattered in a million pieces and there was guilt and there was blame and there was hardship and there was is he going to be okay and the first night he was there he was overdosed um, because not due to that hospital but but in the transference there were uh, too much medication was given and so it was just all the things, how do you make sense of it and it was really out of that that I really found the need and I had to, I had to find a way out to be better for my family, to be strong for my family, to recapture who I was as a person again, because I didn't want the kids to grow up feeling afraid or not having a present mom because I couldn't re-engage again. So that was really what started my journey to trying to figure out what my next steps were and, and where I am now. And I, and I think you were telling me when we visited before that this was really hard on your husband. It was, this was, it was so hard on him. I mean, it was incredibly hard. He is such a remarkable man. And how can you, anytime any of us are the person that's there, even if it's an accident, you, what, what if this, what if this, what if this, and, you know, that was such a, it was a difficult thing. And, and, he takes very seriously being a provider, of course, and protector and all of those things. And, and so what does this mean? How do you reorder it? And some of the same thoughts were going through my head too. You know, how do you, how do you reorder what life looks like and who I am? And if you go by mom or you go by dad or you go by whatever that is, and that picture shatters, what does that mean about who you are? Mm -hmm. And that was what really helped. I had one woman that I would talk to, Sally. And every time I talked to her, I felt better. And I didn't know why. And finally, one day I said, why is it? And she was just a friend. I said, why do I feel so much better? And she said, well, it's this thing called the Virtues Project. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, I'm companioning you. I'm helping you become the hero of your own story. I'm helping you work through it on your own and I'm not fixing it for you. And I thought, well, I got to figure this thing out. So I sort of dove in head first and what I discovered going through that process is there is there are these these virtues that we talk about that are found in every religion, in every ethnicity, in every background, and they're found in every one of us. It's our kindness, our excellence, our humility, our compassion, our assertiveness, all those things. Sometimes they're out of balance but we have them all and learning to recognize them and identify with them and align them in your life and to see them in other people brings out the very best in you and brings out the very best in the people around you, it inspires people to become better than they thought was possible. And 
I learned going through that process that if I could identify myself, not as the picture of what a mom is supposed to be, but if I could just anchor myself to the kindness and the love and the care and the excellence that I tried to bring to that, no matter what happened and shifted in the picture, I could still show up authentically as who I wanted to be. And that would never change. And that could anchor me to the present and anchor me to my family. I could tell just in the um, way you were speaking there, when you made the switch and the transition, when you were relating the story of what happened to your child, and then you started talking about the companioning experience, and then you started talking about all the things you learned from that, your voice changed and you got more excited and you got more confident. So I can tell at your heart and at your core, you really believe in this. So it sounds like that was a major catalyst for you becoming a life coach. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I appreciate that, Tony. And I know you have such co a coaching experience and a, such a depth of coaching experience yourself. And know most of the time when people come to us, they're seeking clarity. Mm -hmm. And so it is a really it's a privilege to walk alongside them and help them uncover, you know, not us showing up and being the hero of their story, but helping them uncover the fact that they indeed hold the keys to their own prisons, their own lack of clarity and, and so on. And, and it's such a privilege. Yeah. They already have the answer. Most of the time they, they already, uh, the path is already there and they already have what they need. Most of the time clarity is a good word because, you know, they're like a Ferrari in a fog, you know, they, they're a great, they have a great track to run on and they have a lot of great equipment, but they can't see the road. And so we point the road out and we help them, you know, discover that. And then they just shift into drive and away they go. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that is so powerful. You know, one of the things that I love to say to my clients when they feel like they are scared and they don't have the courage to do something and they're feeling anxious. It's usually because I love your analogy and it made me, I just, I, analogies are so helpful. We're visual people. If we don't have a visual concept in our mind within the first five seconds of a new concept, we're less likely to actually ever really grasp it. And so it's interesting. Uh, I, I, I think of skiing, my son's Brack after Breckenridge, Colorado, but I think of skiing. And when you look down the hill, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to get down this hill and it's really steep. And if I go down this end, I'm going to hit this. And if I go down this end, I'm going to hit this. And I was talking to a parent the other day and I said, you feel like on one end, if you go straight down the hill this way, you're going to hit, your child's going to be successful and perfect and have a family and a career and this and that and the other. And if he goes down this way, he's in an orange jumpsuit. And I said, you know, nobody ever got down a black diamond or a double black diamond or a hill with moguls by just going straight down and pointing their skis. You just have to look for your next turn and That's then you right. can get down anything. <laughs> so let me dive into this. Um, let, let me dive into your expertise just a little bit. So I, I want to ask you about yourself and the people that you work with. And it's, it's a pretty simple question, but I want to hear your perspective. Why is being able to articulate who you are? Why is that so important? That's a great question. So that's probably why you're the boss, um, <laughs> asking, asking the great questions. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just happen to be in this particular situation. <laughs> I love it. No, I think what's so important is, again, I talk about that anchor. It's the foundation. When you're able to articulate who you are, let's say 
you are someone who believes in kindness and, and believes that you're kind at your core. Now, integrity is a huge part of what helps us. Integrity, we say that the word integrity is a morality, but it's more than that. Morality, integrity is actually a, a physics concept and it has to do with being whole. And when we are splintered, when we don't know who we are, when we're living a life this way and then this way over here and we're not connected, then we are living as two halves rather than a whole and we lack integrity. And so being able to articulate who you are from a brand perspective and say, hey, I'm gonna show up with kindness. I'm just picking on that word today, or I'm gonna show up with trustworthiness. Okay, what does trustworthy, trustworthiness mean in my life? Then you're intentional about it. Okay, am I being trustworthy with my work people? Am I being trustworthy with my family? Am I being trustworthy with time, with a project, with my friends? And you move through and you really take a look and make sure that there's integrity, there's wholeness in everything that you're doing. And when that happens, there's this deep sense of calm and confidence your decisions are already made because you know who you are. That next thing that comes in front of you, it becomes very clear um, because you you are anchored to the core of who you are. Well, I know you, you mentioned you like analogies. I know you also like stories. I do too. I, I love stories. I love telling stories. I love listening to stories. Why do you think uh, people getting in touch with their own story? Why, why do you think that's so important? Well, gosh, that's a loaded. Well, of course, that's why I asked it. That's why you're asking. I was <laughs> going to say, I can think of so many, so many answers to that. Because I mean, we truly are, I think as individuals, it's really important for us to make sense of who we are. But then I think telling our stories, the actual act of telling our story is what connects us to a sense of belonging to one another. And I think as we tell our stories, we're better able to find purpose and meaning. And that is such an essential core part of why we are here. So the more we tell our stories, the more we, and also when we have a traumatic story to tell, the more you tell your story and the more it serves others, the more you are likely to heal. I, I'd heard this a few times before, but the time that sticks out in my head was I heard Joe Walsh say this on an Eagles documentary. He said, looking, going forward, your life doesn't make any sense at all. It just seems like random things crashing into each other. But when you get to a certain point and you look back over your life, it all seems to make a lot of sense. Like it all happened and led to something else and led to something else and led to something else, which I say, I think essentially is your story. And do you find that's true? I mean, do you find that looking forward, it, it's kind of confusing and foggy, but looking back, it kind of makes sense? Yeah, I would agree with you so wholeheartedly. I, I think that, and it's funny, I think that that's why as you tell your story, as you articulate your story, and as you know who you are, you don't know maybe what your next five steps are but you know who you are by where you've been mm. and you're able, you're able to take a look at it as well and say, uh, you know, when I, when I look back and I see, as you said, when I look back and I see what happened for Breck, what was the way to heal from that? It was discovering how I could help other people feel better. It was 
finding a way to serve through writing the books. And it was then it's it sort of you start to realize that our purpose is to be of purpose. I actually have this phrase I always say to people, what is your per piece? Uh-huh. You feel that peace when you find that purpose and you know what it is. And it. we we all have clues if we take a look at it. We have clues to what that is. We just have to listen. So I want to, I want you to tell everybody about your big Grand Canyon adventure. You know, I I saw you on Facebook moving around a lot this last weekend. I <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, at first I was confused. I'm like, okay, you're in, you're in Europe for one minute and then you're in Arizona and then you're in Wisconsin. And then I figured out you were just updating your Facebook, but. I was updating my Facebook and as much as, I mean, it's, it's right now too. I'm, I, I'm, I'm technology. I learn as I go. I'm on my son's computer. It's making noises. So I apologize for that. I'm trying to make it stop, uh, okay. but I just try to figure things out. Same thing happened on Facebook. It's like, yep, she's a middle-aged woman. There she is moving every two seconds to the different, That's <laughs> to fine. different places. So what'd you go on this Grand Canyon thing for? So that's a really interesting story that you, that I didn't actually share with you how it started. Uh-uh. Uh, it started, I was on a plane. I developed a fear of flying and there's a, a deep family history and background behind, behind how that came to be. And I developed this fear of flying and it sort of started taking a part of every part of my life was getting a little more anxious and a little more unsettled again after I'd been um, doing some other work for a while. And I got on a plane to go speak to a fire and life safety group. So it was all firefighters and EMTs in Colorado. And I, I sat down next to this guy and just gripped the sides and I turned to him. And I always figure it's best to let people know that I'm, I may just flip out. So of course I turned to him and say, Hey, you know, I'm Hillary and sorry to, <laughs> sorry to let you know, but I may be losing it. So just every once in a while, turn to me and just say, it's okay. And same as Paul. And we started talking and found out he had this remarkable story. He was someone who was a researcher who had founded with a partner a piece of equipment that is still used today in treating um, cancer. And he had gone on to create this company where they shared, they had no money when they got started and every single person in the company had a, a split of stock and even the janitor ended up a millionaire. And it was this remarkable story and he was also talking to me, he, he told me about how he was doing philanthropic work in Africa with this money that he had now and traveled with his family. His family would go for a month at a time and stay at a villa in different countries, learning the culture, speaking the language. He was just the coolest guy. And his philanthropy, what he, would, he, what he told me was they're building uh, solar panels on the top of, of these huts in Africa. And I said, oh, that's so cool. That's teaching to fish instead of fishing, right? For them. And he goes, oh, but first you have to find out whether or not they like fish. And it was this profound moment where I thought, oh my gosh, so much of our life, we are so um, egotistical, whatever you want. We think we know the answer for everyone and we need to ask first. We need to ask and we need to listen. And so I had this profound breakthrough with him, thought he was the coolest guy, and he was on his way to go do rim to rim. So I got it in my head. This was 10 years before I ever looked into it because I didn't think I was an athlete. I wasn't as healthy as I could be. 
And um, yeah, so he gave me the, he was on his way to do it. And I thought someday I am going to be cool enough <laughs> that, that I'm going to do rim to rim. So that was really what started that urge, which is for the listeners out there who don't know, it is a, um, it's debatable depending on the route you take somewhere between 22 and 26 miles. The, the track is to do it in, in one day is kind of the, the feather in the cap. And it's a, a 5,000 foot descent if you're coming down the South Kaibab and a 6,000 foot ascent if you're going up North Kaibab. Kaibab. So it's a, it is brutal. It is brutal and it's hard on your mind and your body and your training. And so I finally last summer got over my fear of heights and went with five women and we, we conquered that baby from from the south rim to the north rim and I've never felt so um it just was such a feeling of accomplishment and having to work through so many again deathly afraid of heights so having to deal with drop-offs where there is no there's no way that you are surviving if you trip over that you know sliding against the sides of the walls at times and meanwhile just going it's fine i'm fine we're fine it's all going to be okay <laughs> yeah so have you ever been a skydiver no have you done my husband does he's the adventure the general adrenaline junkie in the family have you done that no i don't really have any uh, aspirations to do it but uh, when you said you had a fear of flying i wondered if you took the next step then and maybe did the skydiving i have a friend who really wants to do it and uh has not done it yet but i was just curious yeah, no, my husband's done that a few times. He's run with the bulls in Pamplona oh, wow. a couple of times and jumped out of a cable car in the mountains in Switzerland. And he's the adrenaline junkie. And I ran away uh, from some I'm bulls in who... Kentucky once, but uh, uh, that that was it. But, oh, you did what? I was in the wrong field in Kentucky, so I ran away <laughs> from some bulls, but I've never done the what he's talking about. That's that's a lot yeah. more that's a lot more stylish than my experience. Um, well, why would you do that? Why would you try to get some bulls to run after you anyway? I don't <laughs> like, understand. It wasn't my intent. <laughs> I was just. I, know, in, but he, I mean, here people do this every year in July. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> they absolutely do, and and it's a big deal. Hey, I just want to ask you one more question, and I I, I just want to hear your answer. But you know, to me, coaching is a noble profession, and I want to know, you know, what do you get for yourself by coaching other people? Truly, it is, you know, there's something that a concept called Ikigai. And Ikigai is this Eastern philosophy of what you love, what you're good at. And then the Westernized version is how does it serve the world and how can you make a living doing it? Mm -hmm. So you sort of get all four of those components to do a full Ikigai. And when you combine, I love to listen to people. I love their stories. I love to help people problem solve. I love to watch people step in and own who they are in such a powerful and courageous way and to have them become the heroes of their own story. And it just ignites me. It is the it is my ikigai. My purpose is to inspire others to clarity confidence and courage. And so I get this image when you ask me, and it's not a very clear answer, but I get this image of ET with his heart lighting up. Mm -hmm. And and that's how I feel the energy that I get 
and the way that it just glows from knowing that the person who I just had a chance to listen to and help work through things with is going to be in a better place than they were before. I feel like in a small part, don't you feel like Tony in a small part, we're creating a ripple effect to hopefully create a better world. Hey, this is the whole name of this podcast better than before. So, um, that, that is what I'm all about. You know, I, Every situation, every company, every executive, every person I come in contact with, I I want to at least make the effort to leave it better than it was when I got there, right? So um, what whatever that is, I was just – I had a meeting with a young coach um, just a little while ago that I'm mentoring, and I'm like, you got all these tools in your toolbox, but – Resist the temptation to use everything you know. Just use the things that are going to help the client, right? Put the client, put the client at first. Don't put the client through your program. Put the client through the program they need, right? Yes. So yes, that is so. That's so true, and it's so powerful. I, it's funny because I was talking to a, another coach this morning as well, and we were saying the same thing. It's so important that this is individualized, mm-hmm. customized, customized for the person to get the best that they possibly can get from the engagement. Um, I've got a standard list of closing questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show, so I'm going to put you through these. All right. Here's the first one. What's the best memory that you have that comes to mind? So I'm going to cheat a little bit because um, it's three different memories, but it's the same thing. Okay. My best memory is for all three of my kids, after you have your baby and you're in the hospital, there's this hubbub around everything. Everybody's there, all this. And then there's a moment where everyone leaves. And for just a minute, you're this new family together. And it's just this moment of pure, just innocence and sweetness and hope and potential. Who's the number one hero in your life? Oh, what a great question. You know, I would I would have to say my son. My son, Brack, is probably my number one hero. Because he has all of, he has these things that go on with his, you know, with his feet. He's gone through the surgeries. He has reasons if he wanted to, to not be resilient. And and we've offered to have him have different cosmetic things to make them go away. And he looks at them as his badge of courage and of who he is. And I see him being resilient. You know, he didn't, he didn't make his varsity. He actually was cut from his JV basketball team. And he tried out two more times in order to make varsity a year later. He didn't give up. And that's what I, I guess <clears throat> I see his resilience and strength. And um, it's just beautiful to me. So my, I think my son's my hero. What's the top value you subscribe to? Integrity. Who's the most important person in your life? Well, you can't do that. <laughs> my family, my, you know what, my husband, because if we're not strong, the kids aren't strong. What's your favorite thing? Books. Any particular one? Oh, I'm reading one right now that I love. Um, is your favorite is called... book always the one you're reading? Yeah, it always is. All right. What, what book are you reading? I'm reading Life is in the Transitions by Bruce Feiler. It's really, really good. What's your favorite food? Sushi. Most beautiful place you've ever been to? 
Maldives. If you could subscribe success or if you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Funny. I was, uh, I was, I thought it was going to be a different word, but the word that came was love. That's funny. How do you want to be remembered? It's funny because your podcast is how I want to be remembered. The, the, the name of your podcast, we're campers. And we've always told our kids to leave the campsite better than you found it. And then now that's our family motto. Keep you, you should leave people better than you found them. So I hope that when I pass that people will say that I left them feeling better, more hopeful, more optimistic about who they were every time I um, was with them. Boy, that Hillary Bilbrey, she made me feel better. <laughs> um, if you could go back and talk to a young Hillary, what would advice would you give her? I think I would tell her that <clears throat> it's okay that mistakes are part of growth and that you're never done growing, that you don't have to fight to prove that you're worth something, that you just, you know, you, you make your best choice you can possibly make. And if it's not the right one, that's okay. You figure out the next move that you're going to make and, and you grow from it and you learn. What's your favorite sound? Oh, we have a recording of all of our kids laughing from when they were babies. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than a baby giggle. And finally, what's the best lesson you've learned? Gosh, there's so many. I feel like I learn a million lessons every day. <laughs> um, I think I think it really is that advice to my younger self, which is just to to take a to take a breath and realize that I am in charge of writing the next chapter of my story. That anything that happens, I am able to learn from, grow from, and it doesn't have to define me unless I want it to. We've been visiting with Hillary Bilbrey. She's experienced some obstacles in life. She's been sharing how she's overcome those and she how she could possibly help you. But uh, I want her to tell you, Hillary, how do people find out more about what you have to offer? Well, thank you, Tony, for the platform. It is such a pleasure to, to listen to you, to talk to you. I feel like I had a lot of... Uh, I would love to have a longer conversation with you at another time where I could hear more of your fun stories as well, sure. but I appreciate the platform. Uh, at my... Email is Hillary, H-I-L-A-R-Y, at Bilbrey, B-I-L-B-R-E-Y dot me. Or they can visit me at HillaryBilbrey.com. Okay, wonderful. That's great. And if they want to find out more about the Virtues Project or the Habitudes or any of that great stuff that you can help them with, uh, or just maybe locating their identity and and their story and all of that stuff, you you would be the person. You can... You are the surgeon that can help get in there and fix that stuff and, and help them articulate their story so much more uh, efficiently and effectively. And um, so if you have a need like that, Hillary is your person, right? Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate that. It sure. is a, an honor to work with people to help them just find, like you said, find that clarity and be able to say, hey, this is who I am. This is how I'm showing up. And this is what I need to make sure I'm going to show up as this person every single day. That's right. Hillary Bilbrey, everybody. Hillary, you'll have to come back sometime. Thank you so much, Tony. It would be my pleasure. I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. 
standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 27 miles per gallon. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted and best overall brand for 2020. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. And on our leadership lesson today, we've been going through my model, The Eight Sides of Self, and today we're up to the sixth one, self-confidence. Uh, last week, we talked about the fifth side of self, self-esteem. And once you start to figure that out and you start to turn your self-esteem around, you start to put yourself in a position to get some small wins in your life and in your leadership and in your business. Winning big always comes later. You always start with little victories and you want to appreciate those. Because it builds your self-confidence. When leaders begin to accept themselves for who they are, it's the purest form of self-esteem and respect. An increase in self-confidence is just automatic. Remember, everything in balance, self-confidence, run amok, can cause too much pride and ego, which can be a major disaster and disruptor to your life, your business, and your team. Sometimes leaders who have had very few wins in their life all of a sudden start winning and they all of a sudden start believing they're really better than they are. This is the road to downfall. Having a mentor or a coach is so important in leadership development to help avoid these kinds of traps and pitfalls. One of my favorite quotes is by Mary Evans who said, I have never been contained except I myself made the prison. Stop for a minute and think about how you see yourself. Are you secure and self-confident? Being secure is having the attitude of comfort with your own self-worth and self-ability. An attitude of belief and certainty in yourself. This attitude can be carried inside your head and outside your demeanor for people to see and absorb. You'll be remarkable through the confidence you have in yourself and the amount you portray. When you appear uncertain or apprehensive, it's kind of difficult for others to follow you at that point. Your attitude attracts others like a magnet. Insecure people tend to draw other insecure people to them. And the opposite is also true. Secure people tend to draw secure people. When people are insecure, they tend to cause more problems for themselves than if they were ignorant, lazy, or egotistical. When people are insecure, they tend to overcompensate and they start to act overconfident. It's really hard work and it shows through even more to others than actually being confident and secure. Everyone can pick out the leader who overcompensates for a lack of their own self-confidence. 
powerlessness is a state of mind, meaning people attach themselves more than if it is a true fact. This attached meaning does more damage than you realize. You end up undermining people you're associated with, and this includes family, friends, co-workers, and other peers. The truth is, no other person, no other event, and no other situation can make you feel powerless without your permission. And why would you give it? Being secure in yourself is highly rated on the list of attributes you're going to need to be as successful as possible. Being secure in yourself and self-confident allows you to feel great about the decisions you make. Being secure and self-confident allows you to receive helpful and honest feedback about your own performance. Being secure and self-confident enables you to put others into positions in which they may be as successful or maybe more successful than you've ever been. Being secure and self-confident in yourself tells you there will be many obstacles in your path, but with your skill set and with the help of others, you're going to conquer them. Every leader gets nervous, believe it or not. Every leader gets concerned. And believe it or not, every leader gets scared. Take it from me. Being secure and self-confident in yourself means that you have the ability to put others at ease first rather than freaking yourself out. There are times where we all need to choke down some fear and insecurities we have. There's no leaders that you can name who have not been scared or even terrified at certain points in their career. The key point is you need to advance ahead anyway. These feelings, but not facts, have to be conquered because they are the rarity, not the norm. When you're secure in yourself as your normal state of mind and insecurity comes to you, you can focus on your end goals and end objectives rather than the uncertainty which occasionally will attack you. Your goal should be to be able to deal with anyone, anywhere, and under any circumstances. If you can't do that, you won't be able to deal with anyone, anywhere, under any circumstance. Identify where any insecurity may be in yourself. You're not born with it. You learned it somewhere. You picked it up from someone. If you can become aware of it, you can avert it, and you can choose the alternate fact rather than following the false feeling. Please remember, a lack of being secure and self-confident with yourself can cripple you by limiting your opportunities and jeopardizing your future potential of success. The bigger the opportunities become, the more your self-confidence will be challenged. That's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and also our company at ClearVision DEV. Come over to Facebook and join our free Facebook group, uh, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.